Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Literally this is Literally Gaysians, a podcast where two gay Asian guys, Gaysians, get real about their feelings and literally Gaysian stuff. I'm Bababao. And I'm Chris. And our topic today is everybody say Clurb. Clurb. We're going back to the annals of history to chat about one of our favorite pastimes. Going out to the club. Girl, it's pronounced annals. Is it though? Is it? Well, if y'all been listening, you know we ain't stay-at-home Gaysians. Uh, quite the opposite, actually, as we're the doing-too-much-going-out Gaysians. And while we don't have any expertise on throwing or running parties or clubs, we have nearly, or I have nearly, 20 years of experience of going out. How about you, Chris? Oh, my God. I got a late start on my club career. Uh, I used to nervously sneak into an 18-up club in the 90s, and it was outside of the city in a fancy suburb. And I would do the little stamping thing where I didn't have to pay, where you put somebody else's stamp on your wrist and lick it. Uh, yeah, we were trashy. Um, but I didn't really start clubbing until my 20s when I went to Asian lesbian clubs that my friends threw. And then when I started drinking in my 30s, I met uh, you all when we first started going out. And so I think you got nearly 10 years more experience than me. Uh, but yeah. you helped me make up for lost time. <laughs> Yeah, my first clubbing experience, I a gay clubbing experience, I was 19, I had just come out, no, 20 maybe, and my friend, 
who was also gay, Cameron. Hi, Cameron, if you're listening. He um, said, hey, do you want to go to a gay Asian club? It's called Game Boy. And it's at this club called Rage, Rajay, in West Hollywood, because I went to college in L.A. And I never looked back. <laughs> it just, everything just got, went on from there. I'm friends with a lot of people that I met there nearly 20 years ago. I still remember the big fat X that was written on my hand with big Sharpie because I couldn't really, I couldn't drink. I was 20, but I still snuck in little sips of my friends like AMF or Tokyo iced tea. I don't know why we drank that. I bet you missed those X's on your hand. I don't, but I definitely don't miss the Tokyo iced teas. I can smell the morning after breath or like the vomit that would come (laughs) out of me after drinking so many of those at Rage. But a lot has changed since then. But I do think it wasn't until I got to San Francisco and met my current group of like chosen family that I really, really kind of really embraced going out. I might say you raged. <laughs> I rajade. I rajade through the last 20 years of my life. I still remember the first time I went to a Friday happy hour at Badlands in San Francisco. And, you know, I hadn't been drinking. And so I didn't get socialized in talking to bartenders for those whole 10 years. And I ordered my first two for one special in the Castro. It was about 31. And I didn't understand that I was supposed to only order one drink. And then the second would come with it. And I left the bar with four drinks in my hand. Um, I think I made out with somebody who had a boyfriend and (laughs) blacked out later. So I guess it was a good night. I still remember my first Badlands experience. I just moved to San Francisco. And I remember that two-for-one drink. One of those drinks is two drinks in one. It's a double. And I remember the taste of it, so bitter. And remembering these, how are these drinks legal? How is everyone ever getting anything done when they go out in the Castro? Because these are so strong. And then fast forward like a few years later, I was like ordering intentionally four different four different drinks to save on the side because like happy hour was ending <laughs> and it really just spoiled me for the rest of my life yeah you gotta get those drinks in before 9 p.m and it's in the land of the heavy poor i think the castro has uh turned a lot of gays into alcoholics yes there are times we, we've had to figure out ways to be very intentional about cutting back and a lot has changed. A lot has changed since that first Friday happy year at Badlands. First of all, Badlands doesn't even exist anymore in the mm-hmm. Castro. Thank the Lordis, because uh, that owner, Les Natalie, is a racist. Uh, didn't multi-ID'd black folks in the uh, 2000s. Damn. So fuck him. Fuck him. And you know what? We still patronize the bar. So yeah, it's also on it's also on <laughs> us. And I think we've also changed our relationship to going out as people in as the New York Times would call it, our midlives. Our midlives. Is that is that the the other term for elder millennials? <laughs> I I almost prefer elder millennial over midlives, midlife yeah, yeah, adult. Yeah. How's how's going out for you lately, like recently? Uh you know, it's it's strange because I think when we were going out, like, in the before times, it was just what we did. It was so regular, and you didn't see the changes. And then uh, with lockdown, like, three years of not really going out and then, like, plunging back into it, seeing the contrast of what was three years ago versus now, 
it's I've I've noticed even more how irrelevant I feel when going out. I'm 43 now and you know, there's like 23 year olds just littering the dance floor with all of their <laughs> glitter. And that used to be me. And it's, it's strange not being like, I don't know, the so-called in crowd anymore. Uh, I still enjoy going out. Um, and this was especially more revealing to me when I was in Taipei a few days ago, mm-hmm. everyone looked like they were, 18 and it was mm-hmm. themed back to school because it was children's <laughs> day in taipei or taiwan and mm. everyone was wearing their white button-down school uniforms they literally looked like they were in high school and i was probably the oldest person there and, you know agents don't raise him. And well, this one did, and none of them are. <laughs> Nothing so, makes you feel older than going to Taipei and going to G Star or Fairy. Fairy. That's where I was. I was at G Star. Exactly. Exactly. But you know what? When I went to G to Star in January, there were still people kind of like post white parties thing in Taipei. So there were like age appropriate people for mm-hmm. us. Um but yeah, most of the people there just look really young or like they're probably our age, but because of the Asian don't raise and just look very, very young. Yeah, like there was a time when I felt like we were the San Francisco gays. And now I feel like I'm San Francisco history. Oh, me too. So a lot has changed, but we still go out. So what is the what is the big draw? What is the why? Why do we like to go out? So so Chris, why do you love loved and love to go out so much. Oh my God. As much as me and all of us complain about going out, um, I, you know, you know, in the beginning, I just did it because that's what you were supposed to do. That's how you were supposed to meet people. You know, gays can't just meet people out like, you know, on the mm-hmm. baseball field. I don't know what, what whatever the straight people do. Yes, we don't have a baseball field. <laughs> we're relegated to bars and clubs. And you know, I was like doing a lot of like community stuff and although that was one place to meet people, I think I was just trying to branch out a little bit more. And what I've learned over the years is that I really like the social connections. You know, not all of them are very close, but they have led to much closer connections. And I just really enjoy that. I love being around the people I know. And as I get older, I just only want to be around the people I know. And I'm not even great at like talking to new people, but we're all out and we enjoy each other's company and it's just so fun. It's so fun. It's so comfortable. I think a lot of people feel that way. And there's a lot of people who don't feel that way. Again, the stay-at-home Gaijins, which we are not. But I respect how amazing they can spend time on their own, building a lot of more interesting hobbies than our hobby of going out. <laughs> but um, for me, why I love going out is, I, th- I guess it it is shortchanging my des- most of my desires is going out by saying this, but like, I just believe that I am what this Vietnamese people call ham joy. And 
if you're Vietnamese, you know the term ham chơi as meaning a person just really loves to play or have fun. And so they say it to little kids, like, he won't do his homework. He's ham chơi. He just wants to play video games or, or he wants to just play out in the yard. Um, but as you get older, they use it to describe the party Vietnamese people, like the outspoken Vietnamese people. And you have many of those in your life, many of them in my life, who like to go out and do this term called nhậu, which is like nhậu, which is like drink. And my dad is of this ilk. And generational, generationally, <laughs> he's passed on to me, did not get passed on to my sister. But I just love to be around other people, like you said, just be around other people, connecting, feeling this energy, not caring about anything else in the world. And I also love the music. I love music. I love dancing. And when I'm dancing, sometimes I feel like I'm in like another trance or like I am not worrying about taxes, not worrying about work and just being in my body and having a good time. For a while, I also loved like going out because of the unexpected. Like, what can happen this night that we go out? And it's kind of like an addiction to serendipity. Like, what's going to be the funny thing that my friend's going to do? Who am I going to meet and make out on the dance floor? Am I going to go and have a funny hookup story after and be able to tell all my friends about it next day at brunch? And I'm always down to go out, if only for having a wild story to share the next day. Oh my god! I remember those years when I kept saying, "I'm gonna do it for the story." <laughs> I still <laughs> yeah. remember mm-hmm. you were heading to the end up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, drop me off." And uh, on the way, uh, I'm gonna go to what I learned was a surprise um, orgy, but that's for another story and podcast. Oh. But then. <laughs> you know, because that didn't go so well. You, I met up with y'all at 3 a.m. back at the after party because, well, we did it for the story and I was ready for the next one. Yeah, I still remember leaving the hookup, leaving the hookup, leaving the end up, the tr- one of the trashiest but most amazing places in L.A., in, sorry, in San Francisco, because I met a guy and we went to his home, which was an SRO. We got to his his room, he opened the door and he's like, well, wait, come in the room. And he told, told me to come in the room and made me stand in the corner because his full size bed was up against the wall because he didn't have enough space. He's like, okay. And then so he, he made me stand in the corner so he had room to put the mattress down on the floor. <laughs> And I was like, well, I'm here already. This is kind of, but I'm here. Wait, I'm not trying to be classes, but guy was still hot and it was just a new experience for me. But then I still hooked up and then guess what I did? I went right back into the end up to meet a few guys. I don't know if you remember this story. <laughs> I too, but it's weirdly familiar when a time, like I rarely left, um, uh, you all, because I was more of a bros before hoes kind of person, but everyone yes. sounds like, well, you know what? It's about me tonight. And I left and I also ended up at an SRO and oh. he was on the top bunk, which was really close to the ceiling. So we, we couldn't sit <laughs> up uh, while, while in his bed because it was not enough, there was not enough clearance. <laughs> <laughs> and so that made for a very awkward uh, uh, evening. And I was just like, this isn't really working for me. So I walked out of his room, went to the shared bathroom to wash my hands, and then walked back to the end up to meet you guys at another <laughs> three or four in the morning. There's so many wild stories of us going out pre-pandemic. That was another time. But we love going out so much. We even continued 
clubbing virtually during the pandemic. What was like, what was that party we kept signing on to every Friday or Saturday? High Drake Chicago. High Drake Chicago. Oh my God. I was sitting alone in the living room (laughs) while my roommate was asleep. My hue lights flashing to the music while we were all on a Zoom call of like 40 of us together trying to hop rooms like there were different, hop different Zooms like (laughs) of different parties like there were different rooms at the club. I know we were like, well, okay, who are you still feeling this hydrate party? Because we're going to go to this more like Burning Man um, live stream on Twitch. And so we like would jump there for a while and then like, mm-hmm. have, like okay, well, here's my drink, Marty. And then like hop back and just like vibe on my couch, my apartment alone. And the, f- okay, remember in the Hydrate Chicago virtual club, they would, con- they would keep switching randomly to different <gasps> people's webcams. Yes. <laughs> Spotlight you, and if you were spotlighted, it was so special. Yeah, or some people did. We're not for it. They're like, okay, and they did like immediately turn off their camera. Or sometimes it would land on like this camera, and there was like ten people in the living room, and they were like, oh and- fuck, someone, <laughs> someone figured out that we're not quarantining, and they were like rush to find like the the like turn camera off function. It was so easy to judge others, but you know. Everyone was doing what they could. I'm like, I'm just hoping nobody died from those things. But I, I, I still had so much fun. Uh, I mean, what else do we have to do? We are extroverts. <laughs> yeah. That was our life. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Okay, say Gaijin just came out. New Gaijin in town, and they want to go out for the first time. What options do they got? Well, there are a lot of options, but the one we're going to focus on from our experience and the funnest to reminisce are... The two main categories that I made corny jingles for. So I hope you're ready. Oh, God. <laughs> the again. first one is, when the club's Caucasian, yeah, you know you into whites. <laughs> I wish we could record this face to face so I could slap you in person. <laughs> so these are regular gay establishments. Um, going to be mostly white folks or not Asian folks, but there's like some, some Asians there. You know, I'd like to, 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 to rephrase that. 
uh, okay. as primarily white gay establishment. We're regular yes. people too. We are regular people too. Predominantly white institutions. <laughs> That's what HBCUs call like the other colleges. Predominantly white institutions. Mm-hmm. But in these predominantly white institutions, you can sometimes find a rice patty. So what is a rice patty? Oh my Chris. God. I was so disgusted and excited when someone first pointed at the crowd of Gaysians at Badlands in San Francisco, like Mufasa to Simba, saying, this entire land that you see is called the rice paddy. We don't go past where the shadows are. And I've also heard the rice cooker. Uh, you know, it's, we congregate. Yes, we congregate. There'll be all the non-Asian people, all the rest of the club, and somehow, and usually by the front door, there's a large group of Gaysians, and they don't always know each other. It's fascinating, mm. but we like to congregate. Maybe it's there's a comfort level. Maybe mm-hmm. it's... I don't, I don't know what it is, but we always find each other, and we roughly stick together. Yeah, I think that was really, that was a reality when we used to go to Badlands in the 2010s. Oh, the 2010s, the full decade in the the 2010s. The arts. The arts. That we would go Thursday for happy hour and then there were always either rice patty, which half half of our friends are friends of friends or people who um, are fans of Asians. But I've never heard it called the rice cooker before because to me, rice cooker really means something else. And you definitely <laughs> use two fingers in my rice cooker, girl. Oh my God. <laughs> two in the pink and then two in the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, you know how like uh, some black folks give a naughty to each other in primarily white establishments to acknowledge each other's presence. Um, and, you know, in the olden days when, you know, fewer of us Asians were congregating, if I showed up to an event and there was another of our brethren there, they would clutch onto their white man, their boyfriend, as I was seen as competition. This happened all the time. It was like, you know, me in the 90s uh, to date myself. But, you know, I'm really glad this hasn't really been the case anymore in San Francisco. The Zoomers are here helping stopping this generational trauma that we've all been living through. Do not be this Gaijin. Stop clutching onto them. You're fine. Just be be confident in your relationship. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's changing the idea of like rice queens when we go out. So rice queens are people who aren't Asian who are really into Asian guys. And I do feel like when we used to go out, the rice queens were a lot more creepy. And I feel like they're not (laughs) as creepy. They're not as creepy these days. You know, like creepy, just a little like little rape, rapey face. Or a rapey phase. Or like a little like Dahmer, like little Dahmer vibes. But they got the glasses and the beard. They're very to catch a predator. Very to catch a predator. But I don't feel that as creepy anymore because, like, you know, I feel like when you meet, may say, a white guy, a black guy, or a Latino guy who's really into Asians, he seems to be pretty nice. If you ended up hooking up with him or going home with him and you're like, so have you always dated Asian guys? They're like, yes, I have. That has been a preference since college. Is that an issue for you? I thought a lot about it. I was like, damn, this person is processing it. 
And bef- we have before- the language now. I know they have the language now. But I still remember like one time in the beginning of my time in San Francisco, I went home with a very handsome white man from Badlands. I was really, really drunk. And the minute I stepped into his apartment in Soma, the first thing I noticed was his kitchen had one of those Ikea dish racks. And the only utensils in there were chopsticks. So I was like, hmm. Hmm. And then we started making out, moving into his living room. And I'm like, why is there the hugest fan with a art of a peacock in it and cherry blossoms over his couch? Where is this going? Oh, no, this is actually a bona fide rice queen. And then he started to say, do you speak Mandarin? Because I speak Mandarin. <laughs> and this was before like, iPhones. I think his phone or his Blackberry or whatever. It's like started ringing. His friend was calling him. And it was literally like, dang, 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 dang. <laughs> this is my drag name. <laughs> <laughs> Please go to the stage. So I feel like it's, and, and I feel like I never met these types of people in LA, but when I moved to San Francisco, I met so many of these types of rice queens, but they're not like that anymore. When you meet guys who have a preference for Asians, they seem to be, have read up a lot about it, process it and be a lot less in general creepy about it. Although, you know, we might be a little bit um, uh, in a bubble on, in the coastal cities. We're a little bit spoiled by them. I think they still exist, but hopefully they're becoming more of the past. I mean, quite honestly, a rice queen is only creepy when they're not hot. <laughs> Ain't that the fucking truth? When they're hot, all of a sudden, like, oh, he's so sweet. Oh, he's so nice. But when they're not hot, you're just like, well, I guess he's a creep. To catch a predator. To catch a predator. What is the other category? All right, so there's a jingle for this one too. So the first one is okay. when the club is Caucasian. And <laughs> this one is because it's 11:30 and the club is Gaijin. Gaijin, Gaijin. I already saw that one coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's 11:30. Anyway, so it's 11:30 and the club is Gaijin, Gaijin. So these are parties and nights run by Gaijins for Gaijins. They're parties like. QT Nightlife, who has been always been a huge supporter of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And they throw that Rise Party in San Francisco. They throw Switch in LA that's happening tomorrow. There's also like these hipster Asian, queer Asian parties, more of a younger crowd, like QA in LA and Bubble Tea in New York. Uh, I want to go to those so bad. Uh, there's also so many that aren't even around anymore. That's what we grew up in. And like Club Dragon, Shangri La in SF. Game Boy and SF and LA, the names, best and worst. I love that. They're just so on the nose. And they've been around for a long time. And there are history. Este in that previous podcast talked about how these clubs used to be for Asian men to meet white men, like um, N Touch in the in NSF. It was, it was a different time. Club drag was so fun. Remember the flyers for that? It would be like a thirsty anime character, but Club Dragon mm. written in like chopstick font. In the chopstick font. <laughs> <laughs> and we thought it was so cool because it was our safe space. And you, you can't talk shit about it uh, at that time. We only can look at back at it and laugh, but it was um, what you used to say, our sanctuary. Yeah, it was our sanctuary. And I see how, how cool and well-designed um, these like newer, younger Croatian parties 
are now, and, and then their flyers or the advertisements are now. I'm like, if you went back and looked, girl, <laughs> at the flyers that used to be around my time, that's <laughs> racist. That's so racist. <laughs> but so, so in these clubs, you're gonna find a lot of Gaysians and all types of Gaysians. And we have a bias. We're in a coastal city. We were. I'm in LA. You're in SF. So we're California Gaysians. But you'll find gamers there, pandas. So those are like bears, but, you know, Asian. Twinks, twunks, and hipsters. There's also non-binary folks. And there's always that one token girl, that one token Asian baby girl someone brought who's getting too drunk and her eyelashes are, like, struggling to stay on. (laughs) Okay. So on to, like, a more basic, super basic question. When you go to, like, Asian club, whether it's, like, when the club is Caucasian or whether it's... (laughs) And the club is Gaijin, Gaijin. What should you wear? Obviously, I think you should wear absolutely whatever you want to wear. You do you. But there are some classics that you're going to see around the dance floor, including what me and Chris are wearing right now, which we like to call our Uh. emotional support black tank top. (laughs) What is it about the tank top that we love? Like we love to wear out so much. I don't know. I remember when I was like a twink, I was all about the t-shirt. It was all about the graphic tee. That was the in item in the SF, like, Gaijin club scene. But as I start to work out, I got me some Michelle Obamas, and I got to show them off. All this work. Something about the slimming black tank top. It just is beautiful on our beautiful skin. Yeah, and you know what? When you go to, like, straight Asian clubs that are, like, a little bit trashier, like us, the straight Asian guys wear the same thing. It's a different type of tank top, but they wear the same black... They wear a black rib tank top with chains. I think we just can't escape our Kevin Nguyen legacy. It's our heritage. Destinies. It's our heritage. <laughs> but okay, you know what other thing we see all the time? The and we we've mentioned this in, in previous episodes. It's that black Uniqlo crew shirt. Why is the that black, so popular? Or the navy one. I don't know why so or or the all say if you go to New York or like some or LA, it's the All Saints crew t shirt. Like it's always they that fancy, logo there. they classy. They classy, or they, they went to the outlet and they found it for cheap, which is probably <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they found the sale way. online. And I, I feel like it happened. Did it happen gradually or overnight? Like you literally see, uh, like fifty percent of the Gaijins dressed in this. Like someone just woke up and decided, like you know, the Uniqlo and All Saints T-shirt is just going to be the uniform, the Gaijin uniform. It's culture. It's Gaijin and culture. And my cheap ass, like I look at that little goat head logo, and I was like, <laughs> they just spent. $50 on a t-shirt. It just drives me crazy. It's really uh, soft, I'm though. I'm oh, it's really soft, <laughs> though. I know I own, I own a few. Um, okay, and this other thing that tends to happen, particularly in LA, I don't know what happens in SF a lot, your phone might get stolen, girl. Is that why skinny jeans are the thing? You gotta, you gotta keep them tight to your body. Bring a bag. Have a bag. And LA people like the fashion bag, crossbody bag, or fanny pack, just to keep your phone so no one steals it. Even though they they will literally don't act like you didn't get your phone stolen from your open bag. <laughs> from my open bag because I was making it out with somebody. But yeah, okay. How rude is that? So you, imagine you're the thief. You see a guy making out with someone. He's my target. How fucking rude is that? I actually do think they stand in the corner. And they look around who's getting really wasted, because I was pretty wasted at that time. And they follow them around for a while. And you don't know this. You're just walking around, like, macking on people. And then they target you that way. 
And they, they've actually caught a few of them and they have this whole like sting operation. Like one person steals it and hands it immediately to somebody else who runs out of the club and hands it to somebody else who runs to a car where they steal it, where they store all of it. It's oh so crazy. God. Not to get too dark, but have you said they caught those people in WeHo that yep. were targeting men and murdering them just oh. to steal their bank accounts. But wow. I'm, I'm happy that, that that hopefully is coming to an end. On a brighter note, then. Yes. <laughs> what are some of the most embarrassing things you've worn out before? Well, you know, like we all wear the graphic tee, but mm-hmm. as I started to get my muscles, I uh, started wearing the deep U-neck tank top. Like, <laughs> yes, you did. Like down here, all the way to my <laughs> belly button. And I was like, so <laughs> proud of it. I honestly felt liberated. I was like, oh, why did I have all this fabric on me before? This feels so good. And I look at pictures now. My, my iPhone pops up that little widget of old photos that I never intended to look at again. <laughs> and I'm just, I, I just look like trash. But I, I am proud of it. I am proud to be the, the, the flaming dumpster of, of, of trash because I was feeling myself. I was feeling myself. I loved it. For me, it was not the deep U tank top. For me, it was the deep V-neck. It was so L.A. at the time. So American LA. Apparel! The American Apparel deep V-neck to show off the girls. I would go to the Abbey wearing that with a blazer. I loved my blazers. And when I first moved to SF, I would go out to happy hour, literally at Badlands or like Toldar or something, with my blazers. Until this day, all my friends will not let that go. Like, remember when you used to go to the... Castro in a blazer. You're so this fucking is, LA. It was hilarious. This is the land of the hoodies out in SF. <laughs> you wear your favorite hoodie out. Or yeah, or your emotional support tank top. What's our what's our next topic, Chris? When should you leave? Whenever you want, but to keep in mind that sometimes it's just really hard to leave. But what's our problem, Bao? <laughs> we don't like to leave. We kind of never leave. So like uh, this is not advice. This is <laughs> this is um, our own personal problem. <laughs> it's our observations from our experience. If you connect to this energy, great. If you don't, you're much better off. Uh, I, it's kind of it's both exciting and sad how many times the lights turn on when we're there. But I, I just. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think in the oh. beginning, I was really sad. Like, I honestly was like, oh, my God. Not only does everyone look really trashy, um, you know, because the sweat running down from all the AMFs that they drank, but it also is like, ooh, these are the desperate people that are still here. But what that turned into for us was, oh, that means it's time to go to someone's house to Kiki. And I got actually really excited because I got to sit down and still be out. So, yeah, it, turns, it was just our extroversion going one step further. And there are other things that go on in the club that make it really hard to leave for us. So what's one of the first ones? Um, well, if you link up with a hot guy and start making out, you know, it's that rush of like just meeting new people, a stranger, you know, so, you know, your tongues, you know, 
writhing around each other, the possibility of meeting your next boyfriend in the meat market outside the club. It's that addiction to serendipity. Like, we, I can meet that guy. And, I don't and have to it never work. happens. I mean, it never happens. But, you know, happens. but you can meet that guy without actually having to work for it. Like, you know, on Hinge and Tinder, you have to kind of work hard for it. Mm-hmm. But like going to the club, it's like it's there. And it's if it's meant to be, it's going to happen. You have to believe and trust in the process. This is what gamblers say. This is a gambling addiction. <laughs> exactly. It's just, an addi- it's just an addiction, girl. Okay, the second thing that makes it hard to leave for us is that I feel that the club finds ways to continue to like stimulate a dopamine rush in your head so that you don't ever leave. Like you think of leaving, but something happens and you're going to stay. And so first of all, there's like reminders of sex everywhere, particularly with the go-go dancers. They're Uh always just really hot. And first of all, you should always tip your go-go dancers because they're considered local artists for me and you should support local art as much as you can. And sometimes they're actually like full-on OnlyFans performers, which happens a lot in LA. But you can go to a Gaijin party, and it could be like some twink in a Pokemon helmet. And that's also really hot. <laughs> and do you remember like in The Lookout? I don't know if they still do this. The Lookout in San Francisco. But they used to just pay legit softcore porn on the stream. There are still some bars that play just hardcore porn. And I think that's just something of your now. When... Yeah. It you know it was it's a different time now they're just playing music videos um, or AOC talking on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing. Times are changing. All right, what was what's the last thing that makes it hard to leave? I mean, it's the music. You know, when the yeah. music and the crowd is really popping, it's so hard to leave. You know, like they rev it up. Like oh, they'll play the you know the you know, popular songs in the beginning and they rev up the BPM and just start playing the hits when it, before it's closing. They want to get those last, like, you know, alcohol sales in and we're here for it. We're so here for like, 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 like I said, it's it's the dopamine rush that you can mm -hmm. be like, "Mm, I'm kind of getting tired. I'm going to leave. You have to walk out and it's like few times I've been around that track. And then the Hollaback girl comes on like this, which happened to me last night. I'm like, well, I guess I'm staying for a couple more songs. Like just find a way to draw you back in. And you know, at Badlands, my, my boss who was gay at the time used to joke every song that they pay, play from 1am to 1.45am is always better than the last. Cause so then you never leave. You're about to mm-hmm. leave, you put in your coat on, and it's just like, nope, here's another banger. Here's Kelly Clarkson since you've been gone. <laughs> like, it's just always keep you there. one more song. One more song. Okay. Uh, but you know what? Even when the music is bad, you know, or at least for us, we still stay because our crew is <laughs> there, our crowd, like the chapel in the Badlands, they're not known for their music. I know I definitely hate the music at the chapel. I don't hate it. It's just not my favorite because I'm not a circuit queen. Like, with in, in my group of Gaijans, I have no shame about the fact that, yeah, sometimes I like to go to the chapel for Sunday Funday. But when you go outside of that circle, like you talk to coworkers, like, oh, where were you? Where did you go after high top? You say the chapel or like you're leaving and you run to another friend who's not in that group. And they're like, where are you going? The chapel. They're like, why? That is the oh. trashiest place on earth. The music's terrible. But I'm, I'm, and now I'm just going to embrace it. Like my community is there. All right. There's a lot of Gaijins there that I like to hang out with. And I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a good pair of earplugs and a couple of drinks are fine. And it's, 
you know, kind of become the roughest part about going out because I don't always particularly love the places my friends frequent. But like I said before, it's the social connection. You're there for the connection and the memories. Okay, so so then with this music, okay, the music you actually do like, what is to you the most iconic gay clubbing song of all time? You know, it's funny because when I was younger, I was I didn't have a strong connection to music like a lot of people did. Um, it wasn't until I started doing drag that I had to learn pop music to perform. And then I started getting really into um, music, especially after meeting all of y'all. And I learned so much music. And But I still remember this fond memory of the first time I heard and saw the music video for uh, Zalia Banks, 212 at the club. Ooh, that's I, a good one. It just, it just made me go crazy. And I, every time it comes on, I just like, it, it, it's now that nostalgic dopamine rush. And it's iconic and gets me going as problematic as she is. <laughs> She's so problematic. I will admit that I love her, but she is very problematic. Um, for me, it's a basic one. I don't, it's not my favorite, but it's just the most iconic to me, which is I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. That song is probably 40 years old, almost 40 years old. But you can be in some like dark corner in Brooklyn or like Siloam 2 in Bangkok or in like some, like the only gay bar in El Paso or something. And you will never offend anyone. Everyone will know that song if you drop that track. I feel that so so hard. Yes. And I just saw the Whitney movie on the plane. Oh my God. I have a newfound, like even larger appreciation for Whitney Houston, who I didn't even know had lesbian lover Robin. I just, I love Whitney. And you didn't know she had a lesbian lover. I didn't know. What? Uh, Yeah, she was queer, girl. I've seen both different Whitney Houston documentaries. So. Yeah, that's always been a thing. They just got paid her off to go away. Then uh, I don't want to talk about Whitney. She gets me she gets me so sad. Her story, but, her whole family story. But when you talk about gay clubbing, it's her Thunder Puss remix. <laughs> that is That is gay history. Like that that's gay canon. Oh my god, it's the gay best canon. song. Uh what's the most gayian clubbing song of all time? You know, you, you hear it when it comes on, and it's like, Nagache Chalaga, the Korean song after me. I don't know how you're real supposed to say that. But 21, I'm the best. It just always hits right at 1 a.m. or like 1.30, right before last call. And you how can you resist like going all out? Like, even if you're not a fan of K-pop, that song just gets you mm-hmm. started. Like, when you go like, bam, da, 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 like... It just gets that, just like revs that like momentum and like the energy up. I just love that song so much when it drops. And it, I've heard it drop in Korea. I've heard it drop in Thailand and Vietnam, in San Francisco, LA, and New York. Like it just always hits. Love that song. How about you? Uh, so, being in the Rice Rockettes, one of our biggest staples was performing Nobody by the Wonder Girls. So, 
every single time. It's it's clap clap point. We're just doing the choreo. <laughs> it, it, it used to come up at Game Boy. I am so exhausted from the night, and then at like one forty a.m., it comes on. And all of us just start doing the choreography, and it's just so <laughs> fun. It, 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 it's uh, burned into my head as like Gaijin uh, song of the of, of the century. It's burned into my head as like Rice Raquette Cannon. Like it's that song and the Cell Block Tango. It's burned in my memory. All forty to four hundred performances of each song that I've seen you guys do. <laughs> you always do those two numbers. And I still don't know the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> watermelon, watermelon. But we digress. Back to the question at hand. Okay, let's just say these are just some some general tips that we are bad at following. Mm-hmm. You should when should you leave? You should always leave when one you get you get too bored. So we, we don't have this problem. But if you are a person who does get bored, don't stick around. Don't be a Deborah Downer for everyone else. You're just yeah. standing in the corner yawning. I'm we trying, see it in your face. We see it in your face. We see it in your energy. No one wants to come talk to you. No one wants to talk to me. So if you're feeling tired, don't feel bad. Go home. Go home and have a great time. You can do home. something that Bao and I have no experience in, the Irish goodbye. You can do the Irish goodbye, yes, versus the standing there yawning and just bringing the mood down. So when you're too bored, yes, just go. And the second instance of when you should always leave is when you're fighting with your fucking boyfriend. (sighs) I know I feel like I've been anti-boyfriends, but this is this one thing. If you're fighting with your boyfriend, just leave. Don't be there. Why don't you leave? Why are you there? We know something's going on. You're telling, no, everything's great. We obviously know something's going on. You aren't talking to each other. You're separated. Maybe you even get even lit up some more and you try to like take shots and be even more chaotic. And I propose a new rule. So if you and your boyfriend cannot resolve your argument within 45 minutes to an hour, you leave. Stop hanging that shit over the vibe of the night. Let everyone else have fun. Go to couples therapy in the morning. Decide what you're going to talk through. But if you can't resolve it in 45 minutes to an hour, just leave. Yeah. Every time you say you're fine, everyone knows that you're not. Saying you I'm fine, fine five times in a row does not help. Or I'm fine. Let's take shots. And like, we never take shots. We know what's going on. So just try to resolve it. If not, go home and... Yes, once in a while, we'll try to be a good friend and help you through it. But I've spent 20 years doing this. So I don't <laughs> want to do it anymore, girl. That's not my job. Okay, what's the last one, Chris? When should people leave? When you're too fucking drunk. Yes. <laughs> but how do you know you're too drunk? Sometimes, you know, your friends tell you. <laughs> um, Sometimes your I friends mean, try to bring you home. Remember... One time our friend got too drunk and I put him in Uber and five minutes later, the Uber calls me. (laughs) It's like, you or your friend just ran away. I'm like, what do you mean he ran away? He opened the door to my car and he ran away. So your friend's not there. I'm like, well, I'm sorry. And our friend ran back. And then we look to the right and see his face. Walking by the window back into the bar. What? 
No. When you're too drunk, go home. Go home. But 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 the drunk part leads us to our <laughs> next topic. Because it's not going out unless you have so many favorite messy memories. <laughs> and so we ha- we don't have time to cover them all, but I think we have um one memory to cover. What's your favorite messy going out memory, Chris? Oh god, it's almost like a lack of a memory. And <laughs> Uh, you know, deep in when I was doing a lot of drag, you know, I had a long drag day. I was doing it almost every weekend, doing all all day, all night, uh, showing up for shows and fundraisers. And one day to night, I showed up at a club in face after a softball fundraiser. And it was around the time when I learned that Everyone thinks drag queens are selling drugs because what? multiple, it, it's a thing. Um, people oh. came up to me and my drag sister, Lychee Minnelli, asking if we had Molly. It's, it's just, <laughs> I, I think that was probably a sign of what was to come that night. Uh, so, uh, like basically later that night, I was, not so sober myself and i was dancing on the stage like an inebriated go-go dancer i remember this i was there you know like they probably were trying to kick me off uninvited unsolicited you weren't booked for the gig you 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 just took the gig Uh uh-huh and i just you know i thought i was looking cute and i took a step back on the stage and there was no wall behind me. I fell off the stage and I hit my tailbone on the edge and then continued further down, tumbling down. You know, it's a good thing. I probably was wearing my pads. It protected some of my fall. But um, by the next day, I couldn't stand up or walk because I either bruised or broke my tailbone. And that's not even the first time in that year that I um, hurt my tailbone. Like that Halloween, I was walking down the stairs and my heel broke and I tumbled down the stairs and broke my tailbone again. So yeah, I haven't had a great time in heels and Mm. and clubbing. Uh, I should like stick to performance and party, you know, in, in, in my boy drag form. (laughs) It was a rough couple of months. (laughs) I do remember that because it wasn't just a club. I think it was a legit circuit party (laughs) that you and Lychee came to and just, unprompted uninvited unsolicited just got onto the speakers or like the stage thing and just started dancing <laughs> in your heels. And i'm like well this is happening and it's just hilarious because it's again a wild story but when you tumbled on i just felt for you i really did I, feel for you <laughs> i think like the, the way other people describe it is that they they were looking at the stage they turn away and look back and it was gone <laughs> Like oh he's he uh, he went off the stage and like yeah he more fell off the stage. <laughs> my my messy going up memory is also not much of a memory, and also involves drag, and it was when you and I did our own drag show once, because 
we were riding the AIDS life cycle in 2016, <laughs> and we needed to do a fundraiser to get our, our, all our friends into a room to give money. And so we did this like drag variety show, which was so fun. A lot of great fun numbers at the time. But anyway, after that was done, because that was like in the after, early afternoon on a Sunday, I full on had work the next day. And we decided to keep going out in drag, and it was so fun, but we drank a lot, took a lot of shots, took a lot of jello shots, were completely wasted in drag. And at some moment, I totally lost you guys and blacked out, and only remember what you guys recounted. So I think at this point in the story, I think you should take over, because I don't remember anything. I mean, you disappeared um so like it was like a like a half a dozen of us and we all kind of started splitting up around the castro to look for you and there was um we we went to one bar where we started asking around and it was like have you seen a drunk asian drag queen stumbling (laughs) around (laughs) And we just kept asking. She's wearing purple hair. Uh, and nobody saw you. We we just we hit all your favorite places, and nobody had seen you. <laughs> and you, I think you went to a cafe, and there was a drag show there. And you asked the host, which you know very well. Some messy Asian queen didn't happen to put herself on the roster to perform tonight because <laughs> it was amateur night. <laughs> We thought you would just show up and start, like, singing and dancing. That reminds me of, like, one of my favorite Broad City episodes where um, they lose Abby. because Or Abby gets too drunk and then she leads Alana um, down some weird alley. <laughs> and the bit is that, like, it's some, like, speakeasy 1920s club and that Abby has this alter ego when she's messed up as, like, a Val. cabaret singer. Val. <laughs> And like suddenly, when I'm in, in drag and wasted and can't and blacked out, I become Bow or something. And it so is one it was of funny. the best episodes, and that was you that night. Nobody knew where you went. And my boyfriend at the time, finally, when he went home, he was really worried. I think. And by the time he went home, he's like, "She's in bed, and I'm trying to take her makeup off, and she's just like, what, like <laughs> squatting my hand away." And I think what happened is I got wasted. I don't know what happened. I I got. I think into somebody else's Uber because I didn't have my phone, or maybe I didn't have my phone. Had your phone? No, you had we had phone. your phone. Oh yeah, you had my phone. And midway through the ride, the guy realized like I didn't have the actual ride because he was taking me somewhere. And I was like, "Well, I'm going to get out here." And he's like, "Well," started yelling at me. I'm like, "Okay, well, this is dangerous. I'm just going to get out." But luckily, <laughs> it was up the hill toward where I lived with my boyfriend, and we I just walked up there. And- Apparently, I, you're I just muscle you memory. Just got into a random car. I did. Thinking I that did. you called a lift without your phone. I've never been that drunk ever again in my life. But again, it makes a great story. Mm-hmm. You're doing it for the story. Doing if you can even remember it. <laughs> I need. I need someone else to always re- recount it, and I have a much better time listening to the story when someone does. <laughs> But we spent a lot of time covering a lot of memories. But before it's time to wrap up, it's time to guess what? Time to be real. Be real. Be real. So the part of our episode where we talk about our feelings, whatever's on our hearts, minds, or bussies. Chris, why don't you go first? Uh, I'll just talk about going out. Um, 
it's just uh I still look fondly back at my early days of going out and uh seeing like my first drag shows at T Word Shack, you can fill in the blanks, uh hosted by the late Heclina. She's a local queen in San Francisco. And I was really down this past week as I've learned of her passing. I was in the Taipei time zone and I work, woke up to these text messages and messenger messages going, have you heard what happened? And I thought that it was an April Fool's joke because mm. I didn't know what day it was because it was just like the time zone differences. And she had passed away while on tour in the UK. And I don't know, I see it as Heclina as the, you know, like SF queer culture. She's, she's what I grew up with and made me comfortable uh so much so that like to put on a wig and become Doncha, the monster drag queen that I became. She was why I started doing drag, uh, start doing crazy like conceptual numbers with bizarre storylines. It's why I didn't feel like I needed to be pretty because she was surely not a pretty queen. <laughs> and I yeah. remember the days like she would be on stage eating someone out and then telling us what they had for breakfast. And I love that. Uh, and it's really sad to see her go. And so I'm still processing the loss of like this SF legend. It's really sad. And so I've been thinking about that a lot this past week. Me too. And I think I'll, I have the same topic for Be Real. Because, you know, Heclina and the Rice Rockettes introduced me to drag. And this was drag before drag race and i maybe didn't find it in la but when i got to sf i realized just what a force for just fun and good that drag local drag can be because it was very local drag right and it was just funny there's a whole like sensibility about how you thought about humor and how lightly you take your life and what funny ideas you can put together like creatively but not take yourself too seriously take life a little bit lighter that i as a serious person kind of really needed in my life and heck lena really did bring that and there was always no shortage of events like t-word shack we won't say the full thing because you know it hasn't aged well but it was so amazing i remember like going to my first event and you guys were in it the rice rockets and it was kylie minogue night and <sighs> Oh, all the performances were so amazing. And I was like, you don't, and it was all just local people, like someone's, some drag queen and her friends putting on like the most like amazing performance that made you gag or made you laugh. And there were a lot of comedy shows and roasts. And I just remember there was a roast of Heclina event. That's all her friends just sitting there making fun of her. And that's like kind of the sensibility we grow up with. Talking shit talking shit about her her ugly face or something and she was there laughing at it which helped me take life with a little bit more stride take myself less seriously and know that you know sometimes when people um talk your friends that you feel safe talk talk shit about you to your face it's kind of a fun thing it's it shows how much they know about you that they can say something that and i think it helped me kind of love myself more because i could laugh at myself and that's what she kind of did she laughed at herself she laughed at us i think she did a lot for the community like you say i was astounded when 
the community started learning of her passing. Of course, there's this our friends in San Francisco posting a lot of things. I was brought to tears when I saw that the Castro Theater had on the marquee, Rest in Power, Heclina. And um, then other loves just started pouring in and you realize the impact she's had on drag. Now, not just on the local community that's set, but you saw Benda La Creme, Jinx Monsoon, Raja, all these big name queens talking about how Heclina gave them their first opportunities and how much Heclina meant to them. And so... I don't know. For me, it feels sad. And if I'm super cynical about it, it's sort of like, what's the future of local drag with drag race? And maybe I'm projecting some sort of cynicism about like what that future will be now that like Heclinus has passed. But if I'm optimistic, it's sort of like, wow, look at her legacy. Look at all the people who have come out to say how much Heclina meant to them it's a lot of inspiration and motivation to keep local drag alive and why local drag is an important space um, and, and an inspiration for a lot of young queer people. Like drag race is great and drag race reaches this huge audience and has really changed the world. But y'all go support your local drag queens and not just the drag queens that um, are on that show. You know, especially now with the drag bands and uh-huh. it just makes it that much more uh, depressing and mm-hmm. drives me to do more. Uh, you know, you've seen how I haven't, well, not even seen me doing drag lately, but I'm kind of getting that spark again. That mm. spark to put my lipstick on wrong, get in front of an audience <laughs> and oh. just make a damn fool of myself. And not groom a child. And not groom a child. That's for the Catholic Church to do. And you're going to do it all in your fabulous three-inch sneaker heels. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I got some, uh, like, fasciitis something, whatever they call it. It's a a medical thing. (laughs) So, I guess that's how we're going to close the episode. Uh, on that note, mm. rest in power, rest in glamour, Heclina. Roast in power. <laughs> roast in power. Oh my God, I'll always remember that roast. And it was so fun reminiscing. There was a lot of wild nights that we have had. Speaking of going out then, where are you going to go out tonight or this weekend, Chris? Well, I've got my um, my emotional support tank top on. And I'm going to go to <laughs> 1015 Folsom in San Francisco to see an upcoming up-and-coming lesbian tech house DJ duo couple. Um, I miss them in Costa Rica at the BPM Festival. So I'm really excited to see them now. And, yeah, you know, we may do a lot of reminiscing, but we're still still making more memories. Lesbian tech house DJ duo couple. This club has everything. (laughs) Where are you going tonight? Uh, maybe probably out to WeHo. I've been going to WeHo out for a lot for, for some reason, but saving myself for Coachella, which I'll see you in a couple of days at. You can always follow us at Literally Gaysians on Instagram and TikTok and me at Bow Bow Bowser on Instagram. Where can they find you, Chris? Uh, find me on Instagram at meetmesouthofmarket.jif. We'll see you in our next episode. Bye-bye. See you later, everyone. Cause it's 11.30 and the club is Gaysian, Gaysian
you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.